that uh, we have a, a, what we call a, a uh, it's called Connect, and it's our adult Sunday school class and uh, fellowship that we have every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We just finished a series of teachings this Sunday on uh, stewardship and finances, and, uh, but this coming next Sunday, we're going to begin a brand new emphasis. Reverend Richard and Pam Hicks are going to lead the teaching and discussion, and we're going to be going over, uh, they had it in their heart to go over Charles Capps' book, How to Avoid Tragedies. And uh, I've read the book. It is outstanding. I know some of you have read the book, and I know they've read it and just radically just blessed them, changed their life. So they're, they're stirred up about it, and I asked them to, uh, to lead a teaching and discussion. I don't know how many copies we have in the bookstore right now, but I will have our staff order more immediately. And I really encourage you. Come on, how many of you? There are things that we can do to cooperate with God that will give him open permission legally in this realm to protect us and we could avoid all tragedy. The Bible says he's redeemed our lives from destruction. And uh, so praise God if you're interested in that. It's a great way if you're new to meet new people. You come in, uh, you come this way around the back. It's all the way into the back, what we call our launch room. It starts at 9 o'clock and just bring your Bible. And if you've got a copy of the book, if you don't get a copy, just come on and uh, it's going to be a great time. And also, I think it's already been announced, but uh, I know I've been at the hospital with families a lot this week. We've, a lot of us have been involved honoring Sister Catherine. Uh, she's looking down on us from heaven. And uh, I, I know there's some weather possibly coming in. I need the afternoon to rest and do laundry. I just need to be honest with you. So uh, <laughs> I'm heading out of town again on this mission trip, and I don't have any white shirts to take with me. All right. So uh, just being real plain with you. So we're going to take the afternoon and rest. Uh, there will be no 3 o'clock pray it forward this afternoon. Amen? Amen. Now, honey, you, you're a truth teller. I'm a truth teller. Did you, did you collaborate with me? Did you talk with me about singing that song about the blessing and the next level and all that this morning? Did I know you were going to do that? No, I didn't know that you were going to do that. And uh, anyway, uh, it just really fit with what the Lord dealt with me about. Uh, and so at the Lord's direction, I know when she's ministering, uh, she's got us in a series called Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus. So even though I'm going on a mission trip, amen, to Mexico, you're not going to skip church. You're not going to be a slacker. You're going to be faithful and in your place because there's an anointing on her and all of our ministers that come minister for you in those services. So anyway, but uh, I want to begin talking. Uh, put your seatbelt on. I hope you're okay. Praise God. Here I go. I'm going to give you the title for this new series. And I'm doing it in honor of my spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne. We're going to call this series Rich, God's Way. Amen. And I really hope to make some religious devils really mad. Amen. And to kick over some sacred cows. Amen. And uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Are you okay? Amen. It's like I told the, uh, the group out at Covenant Life Church in Ferdinand, Indiana the other day. Uh, if, if, if you hear the word rich in church and you, you, go like, you go like this, you get uncomfortable, it just means you're not thinking right. You haven't been taught right. Amen. Uh, how does the word wealth sit with you? Well, I'm here to help you this morning. Amen. Everyone say out loud, say rich. rich. Say wealth. wealth. Fits, me. Fits me. I'm okay with it. Okay. The heavenly choir. <laughs> the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Hallelujah. It's like I got Michael up here going, oh, 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 let's give him a little backup this morning. Everyone say rich. rich. Wealth. Wealth. Now, I'm not talking about greed. And I'm not talking about covetousness. Amen. I'm not talking about having a lot of money and doing sinful things with it. But I am going to teach you with the Lord's help that rich and prosperous and wealth is for his people. It is his will. It is his plan. Amen? You know, it, uh, it took me a good while in the Word 
to get myself rooted in the knowledge, the Bible fact, that I am righteous and holy before God because of the blood. Because I had in view all of the things that I had done wrong. And all of my sin. And how could God see me as righteous as Jesus? It took me a long time. Amen. And I still have to go back and re-meditate on those scriptures so that I stay rooted in the fact that that divine exchange took place. And he became temporarily what I was, sin and cursed. Amen that I could forever be what He is eternally, righteous and holy. Not in and of myself, but because of His work, His death, burial, and resurrection. You know, then further, I began to find out that I didn't have to be sick. That God, in His atoning work through Jesus, had made provision for the healing and health of my body. And I wasn't taught that. I was taught the contrary. I was taught, I heard over and over and over again in my childhood church, that God can heal and that God does heal but not all and not everybody. And you don't know if you're you. You just pray to be healed the best you can and then just trust God that in His eternal wisdom and goodness, if He chooses not to heal you, then that's just His will. Suck it up and deal with it. That, that's, but as I read my Bible for myself, as I read my Bible for myself, I began to see that that wasn't right. And that Jesus Christ is a healer. He's always been a healer. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ the same not different, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And it took me a long time to get rooted. Well, now we're on a different subject. We're on this subject of prosperity. Amen. And uh, it's taken me some time to get rooted in that. And you may not be rooted at all, but we're going to help you. Amen. Now, I want to read a couple scriptures here. The first one I want to read is, is not one that I had you open to. And it is Acts chapter 14. So if you're in the booth, if you could put up on the screen, we'll just read it from off the screen. Acts 14, verse 21 in the Amplified Classic Translation. Praise God. Amplified Classic. Acts 14, verse 21. And we'll read verse 22 also. Michael must have left me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Get that background off of there. Anyway, it says, when they had preached the good news, the gospel. <laughs> Why are you going to go do me like that? When they had preached the good news, the gospel, to that town and made disciples of many of the people, they went back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, verse 22. <laughs> 22. Where's Donald Trump? You're fired. Now notice this, establishing, so they went about back, Paul's team back in the circuit to church places they've already been, establishing and strengthening the souls and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith. Amen. And telling them that it is through many hardships and tribulations that we must enter in to the kingdom of God. Listen, saints, we are in the last days. And we're, you don't be believing for it, but just understand that there's, there's pressures, there's demonic activity, there's all kinds of things every day that you and I are going to face that uh, we need to be guarding against. And so we need to be firmly rooted. You need to be established in your faith. You need to expect the winds of false doctrine and deception to come against your life. But you don't need to fear that because you're rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Amen. But I'm going to preach to you today that there is, yes, there is, as we enter into the fullness of the physical manifestation of God's kingdom by going to heaven and then coming back down, amen, that there's trouble and there's tribulation. We have something on our life today that is more than enough to overcome all of that and more. And I'm going to come back to it and tell you what it is. But let's read these, uh, these verses in Psalm 78. Psalm 78. 
verse number 41. Now, we know from the New Testament that Paul said that everything that happened to the children of Israel is an example for us, both a warning and an admonition that we learn the lessons that are there for us in the story of the children of Israel. And in speaking of that generation that came out of Egypt and wandered about in the wilderness, look at verse 40 and verse 41. It says, Oh, how often did they provoke him, God, in the wilderness, and grieve him in the desert. Yet they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Did they limit God? They limited God. And they, they limited and tempted God and provoked Him to frustration and anger. Now, really, why? What was it that made God so mad that they did? They refused to follow Him. They refused to follow Him where? Into a place of wealth. Into a place of abundance. He, was, he endeavored to get them. He got them out of Egypt. He endeavored to teach them some quick lessons and to introduce Himself, show Himself to them faithful in the wilderness and then to get them across the Jordan and into the promised land. A land that the Bible says over and over again is a land of abundance, a land whose hills are filled with iron and copper and silver and gold, whose valleys are rich and plentiful for planting vineyards and vines. It's a land that flowed with milk and honey. Come on. And he was trying to get them over into this place and they would not follow him. In fact, they turned back and they limited the Holy One of Israel. And see, we can limit, we can limit God. And, and all of us have limiters on our heart and on our thinking that need to be chipped away and broken off. Amen? And, and listen, you know, I know what we live in uh, western Kentucky. It's very similar uh, culture and mindset from where I grew up in Oklahoma. And we just good old boys. We're just country folks now. We're just good old boys. And there's nothing wrong about it. I put me in that group. I am a good old boy. Amen. But if you, if you just get this, if it affects your mindset about how, how, what you can do and how can you, yeah, we just, we just get along, you know, I just eat out of my little garden and we don't have a lot, but we're just good old. No. That is a limiting thing. Be a good old boy in humility. Amen. Be a good old boy and a good patriot and, and help your neighbor and hold to those qualities. Amen. But not poverty. Not lack. Not just enough because you may love being a good old boy just like I love being a good old boy. But we have to remember we are citizens of the kingdom of God now. We are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. We are sons and daughters of God. Amen. And we need to represent. I was reminded again at the gym that I need to always watch my P's and Q's. And I need, I'm going to have to start gelling my hair even when I go to the gym. Because I just can't get away from people. I'm just doing my little thing and having a good time. And uh, a lot of you I get to see there. Andrew was there and Sean and her family and all that the other day. And Stacy and everyone's. Anyway. Uh, this guy walks up to me, and I got my ear pods on. I'm listening to Bill Winston, and, and he said, hey, 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 take those out. So I, he goes, are you that guy that ministered recently at Wayne City, Illinois? And I went, brother, why, how do you know that? How do you know that? He said, I'm from Wayne. I, I, know, the, I know Pastor Lathan, Pastor Christian. I used to attend that church, and uh, I still keep up with them. I saw I was watching the camp meeting. I saw you minister. I thought, oh, man, I hope I've been behaving. <laughs> and he told me a little bit about his story and uh, that he lives here now, lives in Ballard County, drives by here every day. I said, you got a church you attend? He dropped his head. I said, hey, I'm not putting that on you. Don't, 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 don't do that. But I just said, you're invited. I want you to know you're invited. 1030 Sunday morning. And I'm just telling you, listen, we need to represent. We need to represent. Amen. People are watching. Amen. And uh, so anyway, uh, I brought you here so you could see that, you know, sometimes that we limit. Now let's go back over to, where's this Rex, the scripture that God showed you? First Kings chapter 4. Yeah, I got this from Brother Rex. First Kings chapter 4. What verse, brother? I got my notes here. 
Yeah, verse 29. Now, Solomon had prayed and asked God to give him wisdom. Amen? And uh, look at verse number 29. 1 Kings 4, 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. Now, notice this next phrase. And largeness of heart as the sands of the seashore. Notice, before God gave him this, he didn't have it. Obviously, because it said God gave him that. So before God did this in his life, he couldn't, he could not live as high as God wanted him to live. He could not receive from God on the level he actually asked for because his capacity of heart to receive it was too small. What if you brought a thimble to the Ohio River? Uh, you'll get some water, aren't you? But what is that to the Ohio River? Now I thought, well, I'm going to bring me a dump truck. What is a thousand dump trucks? What is a thousand dump trucks to the Ohio River? It is as nothing. It is as nothing. Amen? Well, God is the river. God has much to bestow and much to give. And like Smith Wigglesworth, I read after him the other day, and he said, there's nothing small about our God. There's nothing small about his will. Nothing small about his plans. Nothing small about his works. And we limit God when we think small. Amen? One of the things that needs to happen if we're going to live in the fullness of God's blessings and provisions is that we must allow Him to expand our heart's capacity to receive from Him. Amen. And we are all where we're at. And if you just feel like you're being stretched spiritually and in your faith like a rubber band to believe God for $450 in rent, that's fine. That's fine. Amen? But what is that compared to what God has to give? What God can do? What God could provide? It's as nothing. Amen? And so on one side, I'm believing God in this series to break off areas that we are limiting Him and at the same time, enlarge our heart, our capacity to receive. I believe the Holy Ghost can do that. As I'm just yielded to Him and ministering by the Holy Ghost, you may be hearing words you've heard before, but the Holy Spirit will minister and He will enlarge your heart, your capacity to conceive and to believe and to lay hold and dream. If you see private victory always comes before public victory in every area with God. You've got to get bigger on the inside before you're gonna before it's gonna show up in your life on the outside. Again, to quote Wigglesworth, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I appear to be on the outside. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. So let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, I'm updated on the time, and we'll see how far we get today. You got a few minutes? Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you willing to be stretched? Amen. Praise God. God acted like he was frustrated with those Israelites because they limited him. They would not receive from him what he had to give. Amen. So we're going to talk about rich God's way. Hallelujah. I can already sense a little discomfort in the room. That's okay. <laughs> Hear me out. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I found one of these prosperity preachers. Yep. You know, prosperity, it's, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Do you picture the Garden of Eden where God put Adam and Eve, you got a bunch of sand and dry rocks and one scraggly old palm tree with no coconuts on it? Is that how God made it? Is that how God created it? Is that God's, because 
You know, when you look at the creation before the fall, you're looking at God's ideal. Before anything got messed up, before Satan's sin, Adam's fall, all of that, you're looking at God's ideal. The word Eden means paradise. But you know, prosperity goes way beyond, way before the Garden of Eden. Think of where God lives. He lives in a place called heaven. Really, heaven is a planet because it has a north. You read your Bible carefully, it has a north and a south. It's a sphere. Heaven has mountains and rivers and trees. It's got a city. It's got streets. Amen. Two human beings in two physical bodies at least live there. Really three, if you count Jesus. Elisha lives there in his body. Amen. Who's the other one? Enoch, he went before Elisha. He went in his body. Amen. Well, what is your picture of your imagination of heaven? Skid row? Drug dealers on the street corner? The angels are ducking the gang shootings? Is that how it's going? Is that, is that how it is? Th thrift store on every corner? Tatters and rags? I mean, if God's into poverty, this is where he lives. He's going to control everything. I'm telling you, heaven is a place of unimaginable, to many people's minds, offensive wealth and opulence. And that's, what, that's God's atmosphere where he chooses to live every day. You know, there's not a, there's not a, they're not a hungry, there's not a hunger pain in heaven. There's not an unmet need anywhere. I'm just telling you, you got to get your concept. Who is our God? What is this God? Who is this God we're serving? Is he a coupon God? Is he an on sale God? Is he a consignment God? I'm not against any of those things if y'all like that stuff. But if you can't spend a dollar unless you get a deal, you have a poverty mindset. Where's my hallelujah section at? I, uh, praise the Lord. Let's read this verse. Now, I hope you know enough about the content of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to know that they're talking about collecting offerings. And they're talking about money and they're talking about finances. That's the context, okay? Let's get down to the ninth verse. And it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Was Jesus rich? That's what the Bible says. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes. Everyone say, for my sake. He became poor. That you through his poverty, might be rich. Now, so many people want to make the argument that he's talking about spiritual riches and spiritual poverty. Well, and they want to say that, this, that Jesus was spiritually rich when he was in heaven, but that means when he came to earth, he was spiritually poor. Was Jesus spiritually poor on heaven? No. No, no, he wasn't. He was not even financially and materially poor until he got up on the cross. Are you with me? The context of this passage is money and offering and finances. You have to hold it to the context. Amen? And I love this language. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21. You could look it up. It says... Uh, he who knew no sin was made to be sin, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, do you see the redemption language in there? We were unholy. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the plan of redemption in one verse. Amen. The same thing is true in healing for our body. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, Who himself bore our sickness, our sins, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead unto sins might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So do you see how he, he exchanged? He took our place so that we might be healed. Now notice this language in the area of finances. It's the same, right? So on the same plane, theologically, 
with Him being made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God and that, that He became sick with our sicknesses, Isaiah 53, 4, 5, right, 10. 1 Peter 2, 24, who Himself, bore, right, bore our, by His stripes we are healed. Same redemptive language. He who, though He was so very rich, yet for our sakes He became poor that you and I through His poverty might be Rich. Everyone say it out loud. Say rich. rich. Amen. Now, let's read that verse in the Amplified Classic. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and blessing, in that though He was so very rich... Yet for your sakes he became so very poor in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, notice this, abundantly supplied. Don't get weird about the word rich. I'm not saying that every believer is going to be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. I'm not saying that every believer is grace from God to be the CEO of a uh, Fortune 500 company. I'm not saying that. The word rich, that's what the Amplified brings out from the Greek. It means to be abundantly supplied, abundant provision. What I'd like to do in this next 15 seconds here is see if you and I could agree on a definition of riches. Okay? Let's see if, we could, let's see if you could agree with this. At the minimum, this must mean a whole lot more than what you need. Would that be an agreeable, balanced, it's relative, we're not putting dollar figures on it. But for it to mean, for the word to mean what it says, it's got to at least, Brother Jerry, be a whole lot more than what you need. Than what you need to pay your bills and what you need to get by. How many of you in here you could agree we could have a working definition that that would be a good definition? Not everybody, okay. Praise God. I don't know. How, what would it be then? Ten cents beyond your paycheck? You know, I don't know. Let's go to Psalm 112. I'm off my notes, but that's okay. Psalm 112. What kind of God do we have? What kind of God do we serve? <clears throat> the way I understand it, the New Jerusalem, the heavenly city, has four gates on every direction, north, south, east, and west. On either side of the gate, what he used for gate posts were pearls, single pearls, a single pearl that is 12 feet tall and 12 feet around. Take that to the pawn shop. Imagine the oyster that came out of. Eight of them. That's just the gate. That's just God helping you have a little bit of a first impression. See, some people, if you don't let me help you, you're going to have a bad attitude your first day in heaven because you're going to be so mad. You're going to be so mad. Because ain't no, ain't no souls wore out. Hello. Ain't no hungry kids running around. Some people are going to be mad. The way they pre treat the church and the way they treat preachers and the way, they, the way their attitude is. And some, some folks are stingy with their family. You know, you're disqualified if you don't walk in love toward your family. You're not generous towards your family. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Psalm 112. Amen. Are y'all with me or for me? Okay. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed, that means his children and grandchildren, shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Next three words. 
wealth and riches shall be in his house. That means you have to have a house. If you're going to be scriptural, you have to have a house. How many of you who don't have a house would be okay with God giving you a house? See, not everybody. All right. Maybe, yeah, maybe everybody else has a house. I know you're always looking out for people. I appreciate that. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Wealth and riches shall be in his house. How would wealth and riches be in your house? It might be in the painting on the wall, in the wood on the floor, in the little trinkets you put in your case that you like to look at, your safe, your coffee can. Now listen, I'm a simple man. Did it say wealth? Did it say riches? Will be where? In his house? And what kind of man does God make this happen for? Those who fear the Lord? Those that delight greatly in obeying God? Holy people? Church-going people? Holy Ghost people? Wealth and riches shall be in his house? My goodness. Glory to God. It just goes on. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, okay, praise God. Go to Proverbs. Chapter 10. Now, as we get ready to come to the end of this thing, we've, we've, we've been in our cruising altitude, but now we're beginning to make our descent, so you may need to put your chair backs in the upright position. Put away your TV trays. This service is going to be over shortly. That means I'm beginning to close. I'm not closing, but I'm beginning to close. Proverbs chapter 10. If nothing else, I want to give you some stuff. I want you to just walk around this week and think, Wealth and riches shall be. Well, that can't, that can't happen in Paducah because we poor. Hey, listen, have you driven around this place lately? There's some nice houses around here. You know, some sinners living, living in your house probably. And some of those really nice houses, they got praying people in there. They got church-going people in there. They got tithing people in there. Don't ever say again, filthy rich. Don't say it. Don't say filthy rich. You're building into your consciousness a, uh, a mentality that, that money is evil. Well, pastor, don't you know that the Bible says it is? That money is the root of all evil? That's not what the Bible says, honey. The Bible says that the love of it. And you can love money and not have a nickel. And at the same time, you can have multi-millions or billions and not care a thing about it. That Elon Musk guy, I don't know him, but he acts like he just don't care. He really don't. You, depending on what the stock market's doing, he lost trillions or he gained, he just acts like he just don't care. Are you with me? I love something that Brother Keith Moore said. Pastor Keith Moore. He said this, it does not matter what you have, how much you got. It does not. What matters is how you got it. Did you rob God and steal from the church to get it? Did you compromise your integrity? Did you partner up with the devil? Did you commit acts of darkness? Are you covetous? Are you greedy? See, it's not what you have. It's how you got it. It's like someone came up to Pastor Keith Moore, he said, one time and really assaulted him, not physically, but just really got after him verbally about his shoes. I mean, he didn't just think it. He came up to him and said, who do you think you are, basically? Oh, you know, how much money? He wanted to know. How much money did you spend on those shoes? Pastor Keith just answered his question with a question. He said, well, 
Sir, how much did you spend on yours? And he answered, let's just, I don't remember the number, let's just say 99.99. And he just leaned in real sweetly and said, well, sir, you paid 999 or, you know, $99.99 more than I did. I didn't pay anything for these shoes. Someone gave me these shoes. You paid more for your shoes than I paid for mine. It's not, it's not about what you got. It's about how you got it. It's like some neighbor came up to Jesse Duplantis' house and said, you that preacher lives in that house? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, he just went on about, I don't like that. He said, sir, it's not that you don't like my house. You don't like your house. You like my house. You don't like yours. He just closed the gate and went on in. Listen, money, it doesn't have any character. It doesn't have any character of its own. Money takes on the characteristic of the one who possesses it. See, in my hand, God will be honored. In my hand, people will be helped. In my hand... Uh, there will be righteous enjoyment. But in somebody else's hand, evil could be committed. But it's the one who's directing the money, not the one, it's not about possessing it. And let me say, I, I was used of God, not bragging, I'm just telling a fact. And Miss Brittany could bear witness to this, that I was moved upon by the Lord not less than two, I'm thinking at least three times, to minister to her husband about how God wanted to bless his business and use his business to bless his family and to fund this church, fund, to fund things in this church, but he needed to stay humble. Well, God bless him. I'm still praying for Noah. God loves Noah. And God can restore him. God can restore you. Nobody here is mad at you. Amen. But he got heady and high-minded about a little bit of money. And you get greedy and then things start snowballing and you're robbing from Peter to pay Paul and now you're in big trouble and you don't know how to ask for help or just whatever and now you're on the run. So those of you that are being blessed with businesses, take heed. You, that, that little money, that little paycheck, that little increase doesn't make you nothing. We're special because Jesus died for us, period, end of story. That's it. Don't get the big head because you got a little money now. I like what Pastor Nancy said, the richer you are, the more you're responsible, the more you should be given. Anyway, and that's going to be a big problem around here for people of this church, you know, a big challenge, because we're all coming up to another level. God said that we're all coming up to another level. Paul said to tell Timothy, Timothy, tell Christians around you, tell those rich people to get rid of all their riches. That's not what he told them. He said, tell those rich people to be ready to distribute, willing to share, to be rich in good works. He didn't tell them to get rid of all their riches. He told them, you distribute those funds, be, do good things with it, be ready and willing to share. I tell you, this gets fun. This gets fun. How you got money in your pocket? And you find some single mama crying at the gas station, and she rolled in there on fumes. And she's crying. She doesn't have any way to pay. And you go, listen, honey, I got this. And let me pay you insurance for the month, too. What's his car payment? What's his cost a month? Here's two months of that. Jesus loves you a lot. We do, too. Come to church. You know, and that's fun. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 10. Are you mad? Are you glad? Are you just learning? Okay. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it keeps you at the poverty line. Is that what it says? The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. If you get God's blessing on your life, 
what's it going to do? It's going to bring you into a whole lot more than what you need. That means you're not stressing over the month. You know you have a supply. Your bills are paid. You're putting some back in store. Doing some investing. Amen. And then you're not upset when Pastor Chris says it's special projects today. You've been looking forward to it. You don't mind there being a second offering in the service. Hallelujah. The, am I reading the Bible? This is our Bible. This is the Bible. The blessing of the Lord. It makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. You don't have to sell your soul to go chase after money. You don't have to sell your soul to, to keep up with the neighbor. I don't want to say the Joneses because we got good Joneses. Amen. God will get you some money. God is your father. The Bible says it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom, honey. The Bible says the willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. Not the leftover of the land, the good of the land. Let me show you something in Genesis and we'll have to stop. Genesis chapter 1. I told you that prosperity on the God scale goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And uh, just quick, Genesis chapter 1. You know, you have this uh, account of God getting earth ready. And he, he, he had all the dirt, all the, the planet was there. And when he wanted the animal kingdom, it's interesting, he spoke to the earth. And he said, dirt from you shall come forth all the birds of the air, all the living creatures. Let there be living creatures. Amen. So when God wanted the animal kingdom, he spoke to the dirt. And they didn't come from the dirt, they came through the dirt. Then when he wanted living creatures to be in the oceans and in the seas... It says he spoke to the waters. And he said, waters, bring forth living creatures. So out from the waters came forth all the fish of the sea and the living creatures of the sea. But when God wanted to make his man, when God wanted to make a human being, he didn't talk to the dirt. He didn't talk to the water. Let me, let's look and see where he talked to. When he made the animals... He said, earth. When he said that, when he made fish, he said, water. Amen? In verse 26, it says, and God said, let us. Us means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Amen? So do you see when God wanted animals, he spoke to the dirt. And when God wanted fish, he spoke to the water. When God wanted man, he spoke to himself. And the animals came through the dirt and the fish came through the water. But you, honey, came out of God. You came through God. You and I are created in his likeness and in his image. And he's not struggling. He's not depressed. He's not sick. He's not discouraged, and he's not broke. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. Now, in verse 28, I want you to hear the first words mankind ever heard God say. Are you ready? I hope you're not checked out on me because I preached a little long. Amen. Notice, these are the first words human beings ever heard. And God blessed them. And God, and God what? And God blessed them. The blessing of the Lord. What does it do? It makes rich. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. And multiply. And replenish the earth. And subdue it. And have dominion. Be in charge. The word fruitful means produce. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says, 
that it is God that gives you and I the power to produce wealth. God's purpose for us is that we in a... He, he didn't put Adam on an earth with the Nordstrom's already built. God did not put Adam on an earth and give him a chair. He gave him a tree. God did not give Adam an iPhone 14. But he put all the mineral and all the raw material in there and he blessed him and he empowered him and he gave him God's creative mind. And he says, now get out there and innovate, create, produce. Woo. I'm going to give you divine ideas. You're like me. You came out from me. I'm not going to give you an iPhone. You're going to make an iPhone. I'm thinking about these guys, and they're in their garage in the 90s, and they're building the first computer, and they said, let's name our company Apple. Well, who does that? Why would you? What does Apple have to do with? We associate with computers now, but they're in your garage. And they said, let's make this thing. Let's call this thing Apple. I don't get it. Maybe it was his favorite fruit. But think what has come out. Right? Praise God. Are y'all with me? What did the, what's the first words? Did, he didn't say eek by. The word fruitful means produce. It means be productive, prolific, plenteous, abounding, and producing abundance. The word multiply means increase. Spread out and extend. The word replenish means resupply it. Resupply it. The word, uh, what is it about? Uh, subdue it means control it. So God intended us to be innovators, creators, producers, resuppliers, and controllers of the market. Now, Pastor, you say, I'm choking, I'm choking. I know, but... Let God say, God, I'm just a simple person. I'm just trying to get by every day. I understand that, and that's sweet, but God wants to do more for you. And God wants to do more through you. Hallelujah. And God wants us to be producers, not just consumers. Amen. Now, finishing this up for today. Now, it doesn't say that He that they heard the words, but the first thing God did with Adam and Eve, it says, He blessed them. In other words, what is that? God empowered them to succeed. He put something on their life that divinely enabled them to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. Amen? And we'll, we'll dive more into this in, in the next time that I have with you. But, uh, you know, Adam lost that blessing, didn't he? He forfeited that blessing through sin. But God had a plan of restoration and redemption. And he reintroduced, 2,000 years later, he reintroduced the blessing. He came into a covenant with a man named Abraham. And he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, listen, I want to make a deal with you. And I summarize it this way. If you'll go where I tell you to go, do what I tell you to do and trust me, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those who curse you. The Newfangled Amplified says, anyone who dishonors you, I will curse them. So think about that. Anyone that disrespects you, not, not, you don't have to stand up, but I'm the blessing on your life. I, I'm not bragging, but I just wouldn't mess with me. I've, I've had people, a few people come against, they, they're, they, they, they're not alive. I didn't do anything. But God Almighty said, this blessing on our lives, I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies. Well, Abraham made this deal. He's trying to capsulize. And next, next time I'm with you, we'll explore what did this blessing produce in Abraham's life. He received this. He came into this agreement with God in Genesis 12. By Genesis 13, it says Abraham was very rich. 
in silver and cattle and gold. I mean, he had threefold wealth, Brother Lonzo. I mean, if the gold market's down, the beef market's up. You're doing fine. Threefold wealth, three streams of income. That blessing with Abraham, it was spiritual. God was with him. It was physical. He couldn't have a baby. He and his wife were healed supernaturally. No sickness, no COVID, no nothing got him. He lived to be 175 years old without sickness and disease. So the blessing is physical. No enemy could stand before him all the days of his life. God was an enemy to his enemies. Even when he lied and said, tell Abimelech that you're my sister because I'm afraid you're going to kill me. God, that opened the door and judgment came on Abimelech and he got leprosy. He got real sick. He said, oh my God, what did you do? And so he said, you know, okay, I'm sorry. The yeah, she's my wife. And so he resisted and he commanded everybody around, don't touch Abraham. Don't, I'm telling you, anyone touches him is going to die. And then he gave him a big old offering. It says that in Canaan's land, the land could not hold Abraham and his stuff. So the blessing of Abraham in Abraham's life was spiritual. It was physical. And it was financial. And it was material. And there was no enemy that could stand before Abraham all the days of his life. Last comment, what does this have to do with you? Everything. Because the New Testament in the New Covenant to the church says that if you be in Christ, you are Abraham's heir. You are Abraham's seed and an heir of the promise. What promise? The promise God made Abraham. That's what it has to do with you. And that blessing, if you're a Christian, is on your life today. It's on your life today. And you're coming up to a new level. Amen. Of course, you've got to believe in the blessing. You've got to know about the blessing. You've got to cooperate with God in the blessing. And these are things we're going to teach you as the Lord enables us. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say rich. rich. That's, me. That's me. Amen. Everyone say wealthy. wealthy. That's, me. That's me. And that means... God's bringing into my life a whole lot more than what I need. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you could stand up on your feet today.